Welcome to our personal finance podcast. My name is Mr. Young, and I will be your teacher throughout this podcast series. This episode is part of our career unit and will focus exclusively on employee rights as provided for under U.S. federal law. Let's get started. Our first law is the Fair Labor Standards Act. The Fair Labor Standards Act is a law that established the federal, state, and local minimum wage in the United States. In the U.S., every single state, all 50 of them, have to at least meet the federal minimum for minimum wage. In the United States, every state must set their minimum wage at least to $7.25. Now, each state has the ability to raise their minimum wage above that federal standard, but cannot go below it. Reasons for going above the federal minimum wage have a lot to do with cost of living and what is generally perceived within a region as an acceptable living standard. I will tell you that the Fair Labor Standards Act and the minimum wage generally puts that minimum wage right above the poverty level. So the poverty level fluctuates throughout the United States depending on standard of living. In the state of Missouri, just recently, effective January 1st, 2019, the minimum wage became $8.60, $8.60 across the state of Missouri, which is higher than the federal minimum wage. Also under the Fair Labor Standards Act, employers must pay overtime if you work more than 40 hours per work week. So in the U.S., minimum wage is generally set at 40 hours, although employers could choose to lower that if they want to. They're generally not going to. But 40 hours is that federal threshold in which employers must pay you 50% more per hour. We'll give you an example. To keep the math simple, we'll say that you're getting paid $8 an hour. If you're getting $8 an hour for the first 40 hours, your employer must pay you 50% more for any hours above 40. Half of $8 would be $4. Add the two together and you would have a new overtime wage of $12 per hour. So the first hour through the 40th hour, you would get paid $8, but any hours over 40, they would have to pay you $12. This is often referred to as time and a half. It is important on our first unit test that you know how to calculate a wage given uh, overtime hours. Our next law is the Social Security Act. According to History.com, the Social Security Act, signed into law by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1935, created Social Security, a federal safety net for elderly, unemployed, and disadvantaged Americans. The main stipulation of the original Social Security Act was to pay financial benefits to retirees over age 65 based on lifetime payroll tax contributions. This law comes into place fresh off the heels of the Great Depression, when many Americans had lost their retirement savings due to a corrupt and ill-managed U.S. stock market. What does the Social Security Act actually do for you and me? Well, it provides monthly insurance for when we are over the age of 65 in our elderly years. It can provide money to widows and survivors and health-impaired individuals. The way this works is that during your working years, as long as you do not work for a nonprofit or a school district, money is taken out of each one of your paychecks 
and given to the federal government's Social Security Fund. If you have a job right now, you maybe have noticed on a paycheck that there is a certain amount of money taken out of your paycheck called Social Security. That is the money we're talking about. That goes into a large pot of money in Washington, D.C., and then is doled out to those who qualify over the age of 65. What is one of the concerns with Social Security Act for your generation? Well, right now, the largest generation in U.S. history is either near retiring or has already declared their retirement and is already collecting money from the Social Security Administration. The problem with that is if you have more money more money coming out of, account, uh, out of an account than is going into the account, well, that's just a simple definition for bankruptcy. And one of the other concerns with it is that the Social Security Fund is also one of those federal accounts that if U.S. presidents want to take money from it in order to pay for a pet project or for an emergency declaration, they're able to do so. So the Social Security Fund is one that many economists predict will probably be bankrupt in the year 2030 to 2035, unless there is intervention by Congress and lawmakers to try to find a way to put more money in the fund and to regulate how money leaves that fund. Again, this is the Social Security Act, and it is designed to help provide uh, retirement income to those over the age of 65. I like to remind students that this is not a substantial amount of income that is coming to a senior citizen. Um, it is a small portion of the kind of income that they would have had during their working years. Okay, let's talk about workers' compensation, also known as workers' comp for short. Workers' comp guarantees fair compensation for any injuries you may experience on the job. This can include your employer helping you pay for medical bills, rehabilitation costs, and any income you've lost due to the fact that you can't actually work at this moment. Workers' comp does have one big stipulation, and that is the injury cannot be due to an individual being under the influence of a controlled substance or uh, being inebriated by alcohol. So this is talking about an injury that happened at no fault of your own due to any other substances. Now, most employers do have pretty strict rules on workers' compensation that may lead to termination if not followed properly. Many employers require that when an employee gets injured, they are to immediately report to a safety manager or to a nurse on staff. The purpose for this is that employers want to make sure that the injury, one, happened at work, and two, is not something that an employee uh, is exaggerating due to a 24-hour delay in time. So they want to make sure right away, if you're injury, injured, they're going to get you help, whether that's call an ambulance, drive you to the hospital, whatever the case may be. But that's also a chance for them to determine whether or not you are inebriated or under the influence of a controlled substance. If you are inebriated or under the uh, influence of a controlled substance, you will likely be terminated by your employer. Um, this may be preceded by a required drug test or potentially a breathalyzer. Now, you do have a right to decline either the drug test or uh, a breathalyzer, but keep in mind, your employer also has the right to terminate you if you refuse to participate. The Family Medical Leave Act is really an enormous law. 
passing the legislation by Congress that helps protect workers in the case that they need to leave work due to something having to do with medical uh, needs. Workers are able to leave up to 12 weeks uh, of unpaid leave. So this is really important. What this is saying is that due to a medical circumstance with you or your uh, close immediate family member, you are able to take up to 12 weeks off of work without the fear of being terminated, losing your employment. Now, the key is in the United States, this law does not mean that you necessarily get paid for those 12 weeks that are off. And that is really important to know. Some countries it is. In the U.S., all it says is for 12 weeks, if you fill out the FMLA paperwork and submit it to your employer in a timely manner, your employer will keep your position safe for you upon your return as long as you don't exceed 12 weeks of leave. But you aren't necessarily going to get paid. Now, employers that do want to try to keep the best employees and create the best atmosphere for those employees, uh, employee retention, they may actually choose to pay you during that time. Many school districts pay its female staff uh, maternity leave while they are uh, delivering a baby and uh, spending those first few weeks with the baby. Uh, that is something that school districts opt to do, but are not required to by federal law. So what kind of medical leave would qualify? Well, serious health conditions, recent diagnoses of maybe cancer or heart ailments, could be illness of a family member. Maybe you are now in the uh, position that you're taking care of a parent or a grandparent. Care for a new child. So it could be a biological child of your own. Uh, it could be a child you're adopting, or maybe you're temporarily fostering a child. Now, this law does protect men and women, but in slightly different ways. Um, generally, in the U.S., females are often compensated during this leave time, especially if it is revolving around the birth of a child, whereas in the U.S., paternity leave is not something that is protected with pay. So men can take up to 12 weeks off uh, if they choose to, but it is very uncommon for men to get paid for paternity leave. Our next law is the Americans with Disabilities Act. This is really a very enormous law with a lot of detail and exceptions. According to the ADA National Network, the Americans with Disabilities Act became law in 1990. The ADA is a civil rights law that prohibits discrimination against individuals with disabilities in all areas of public life, including jobs, schools, transportation, and all public and private places that are open to the general public. Okay, so your employers cannot discriminate for any reason due to one of these disabilities. They must provide reasonable accommodations for those employees. For instance, you have an employee that can't stand, they may need to provide a stool. Um, if you have an employee that needs um, to be able to take frequent breaks, they may have to accommodate that under law. This also includes people that may have a diagnosis of AIDS and who are substance abusers but are participating in a treatment program. Now, the ADA law right now may pertain to some of you because maybe you have an IEP, an Individualized Education Plan. This is supported under this law. And what this states is that students that have a diagnosed learning disability are protected under federal law and teachers 
and schools must make reasonable accommodations to allow an even playing field for that student in the classroom. Doesn't mean the student's getting advantages over their peers. What it means is based on the student's learning disability, the teacher must make reasonable accommodations to ensure that student has a level playing field. We see ADA all throughout Webster Groves High School. If you think about coming in in the morning and leaving in the afternoon, there really is only two places that someone with a disability can easily access the interior of the school. Robert's Gym, if you've ever noticed it, on the right side has a ramp that comes up from the right side up to the entrance. That's to allow those that may be using crutches or a wheelchair to easily access the high steps and get to that entrance of the door. Now, that was a retrofit, meaning that Robert's Gym was built many, many years prior to the Americans with Disabilities Act. But since this is a public building, Webster Grove School District was legally obligated to provide a ramp to allow students to enter this public facility. Now, we have a new wing to our north side of the building that includes our science department and arts and music. Since that is a new addition to the building, under federal law, architects had to ensure that there was a street-level access to that building. So if you've ever entered the furthest north uh, entrance to the high school, which is on the far left of the building, often where students secure bicycles, there is a door right there that is at street level and has a wheelchair ramp that crosses over the sidewalk. That is the ADA-compliant entrance on the new end of the building. Also, as soon as you enter that new door, what are you faced with? You're faced with an elevator. So architects have to think about the Americans with Disabilities Act when building new structures. So again, ADA, in short, is a law that is designed to prevent discriminations against those that have physical or mental health disabilities. Let's talk about the Equal Pay Act. According to the Equal Pay Act, men and women must be paid the same amount of money for the same job with equal qualifications. For the same job, women typically in the United States earn 70 cents for every $1 that men earn. That's a 30 cent discrepancy per dollar that women are not being paid by their employers. The same goes for those of minority status. So your employer legally has to pay you the same amount of money as your peers if you are equally qualified. A recent case, uh, according to the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, this is a federal agency, uh, talks about a case against Walmart. Walmart was, uh, in, back in 2010, was fined by the U.S. government $11.7 million in a sex discrimination suit. Walmart stores will pay $11.7 million in back wages and compensatory damages, its share of employer taxes, and up to $250,000 in administration fees and will furnish other relief, including jobs, to settle a sex discrimination lawsuit filed by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. So Walmart, the nation's largest employer, uh, was not too many years ago found guilty of not promoting women and paying them equal to their male counterparts. So this is one of those areas in employment that many employers forbid employees to talk about. Uh, many companies will state you are not to talk about your pay with your peers, uh, and that's due to the fact that it may cause 
you know, some disappointment amongst peers. It may cause your coworkers to get upset if they know you're getting paid more than them or you may, or vice versa may happen. So this is a difficult one to know whether or not your right is being violated unless you're able to prove it. But just keep in mind, if you are aware that your employer is paying someone who is equally qualified, same years of experience, same college degree, and you're getting paid differently, that is something you may want to investigate because you are protected under federal law with the Equal Pay Act. Our last law is the Civil Rights Act of 1964. According to Wikipedia, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 is a landmark civil rights and labor law in the United States that outlaws discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. It prohibits unequal application of voter registration requirements and racial segregation in schools, employment, and public accommodations. This law states that employers cannot discriminate against you uh, for a job based on any of the following, your age, your gender, your ethnicity, color, religion, sexual preference. I always remind students of a couple of exceptions and some clarifications here. On age, they can discriminate against you if you are under the age of 18. 18 is a big year because under federal law, that is the age at which someone is considered an adult. What is the difference in law between a minor, someone under the age of 18, and someone that is 18 or older? Well, the law states an adult is competent to understand the terms of a contract and fully understand U.S. laws. Even though at your age, you're probably fully able to understand uh, the terms of a contract and understand your rights, the federal law says that you cannot uh, be held responsible for any of these violations of contract law until you're the age of 18. In restaurants, uh, they typically want folks to be 18 or older if they're going to serve food because they may be serving alcohol. They may relegate you to just being a hostess or a, quote, bus boy or bus girl taking dishes to the kitchen. In places like Lowe's, Home Depot, Menards, they have to enact OSHA regulations, which ensure the safety of the employees around dangerous equipment. In order to fully comply with that law, you must completely understand them. Your employer must make sure you understand them. And federal law says you're not able to comply until you're 18 years or older. So many employers are unable to hire uh, folks under the age of 18. So they can discriminate in that way, although the law says they're not discriminating, you're just not old enough to comply. Let me get down to the difference between ethnicity and color. Ethnicity is really talking about racial makeup and your ancestors' original location on this planet, right? Whereas color is talking about the shades of one's skin. And we know that there is discrimination within racial groups based on someone's skin being too light or too dark or too red or too white. Uh, so that's what we're talking about, the difference between ethnicity and color. Uh, religion, I think, is probably self-explanatory, but they cannot discriminate you based on your religious choices and your background. Uh, and then the last one is sexual orientation. Uh, that cannot be a term for not hiring someone because they are unwilling to hire someone that is of a different sexual orientation than they are comfortable with. Okay, that is the Civil Rights Act. All right, that should do it for us today. This was our employment law discussion in our career unit. We covered the Fair Labor Standards Act, Social Security Act, Workers' Compensation, Family Medical Leave Act, Americans with Disabilities Act, Equal Pay Act, 
Unemployment Compensation, and Civil Rights Act. If you have any questions or need clarifications on any of these laws, please don't hesitate to see Mr. Young in room 248A. I wish you all the best. Join us next time for our next podcast.